Whoa, dudes, Michelangelo here from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original one. Yeah, and you are listening to Candare Podcast. It happens to be a tribute to comics and pop culture like yours truly, Cowabunga! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today to talk about his comic Lonesomes, which is uh, currently running on Kickstarter issue two, is until February 23rd, we welcome Ryan Little. Thanks for being with us, Ryan. Thanks for having me, guys. We have a good show lined up for you in the Retro Roundtable. We're going to be talking about Pokemans. The Pokemans. The Pokemans. As uh, they were a heavy inspiration for Ryan's book that we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Thought, why not? We've, I think we've been trying to work Pokemon in uh, ever since Go came out. At yeah. Some point. We just never had a reason to. So. We talked about our own Pokemon names. Well, Jake's oh, Pokemon's right. names, I think. But... <laughs> Calcium Claws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dread Burp. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so we'll be talking about that. Then we're going to take a, uh, or not a dive into the comic dump bin, but uh, swing open the door to the comic vault, rather. What do you got uh, there, Jack? Binary Gray, the first trade for the series. Cool. One of the books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Ryan and talk more about Lonesome. So, oh, actually, before we kick it off, we have a little bit of an announcement to make, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Candare is official now. We have merch for sale. You can be part of the Candare Nation by getting your very own mug or T-shirt. Tell them about it, Jack. There's even wall clocks. (laughs) <laughs> Not them pesky uh, floor ceiling clocks. Yeah. There you go to society6.com slash canned air pod. And there's a full store, a bunch of different logos, a couple different types of shirts. Yeah. Coffee mugs, metal coffee mugs. Yeah. Cool stuff. What more do you need? And Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah. You know the Just ring. Just missed the Valentine's Day sale. The, uh, well, it's still you can still get something though. You <laughs> yeah, know, the, the rings and all the jewelry—that's cliche. Tell her you love her with a canned air T-shirt, or that's tell yourself you love yourself with a canned air T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> love yourself just a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, like Jack said, uh, go to society six dot com forward slash candair pod, or you can just go to our website candairpodcast.com click and on click on the merch on button. The merch and, button. Yep. So there you go. And also, a little bit later in this episode, we're going to be giving the details for a contest we have uh, going to be running here in the next few weeks. So uh, stick around for that. We're not going to give it to you right now. We want you to stick around and hear some yeah. of the episode before we give you the good shit. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, let's get right to it with this week's Retro Roundtable. It's showtime. All right, guys, Pokemans, where do we start? Generation one, I would say. Yeah, that's about really uh, <laughs> the most I know. That and a little bit of two. But a just little bit, yeah. From the, uh, right. the Game Boy games. Well, the OG ones are the best ones. That's, oh. You guys have plenty of street cred once you talk that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just looking at these uh, handsome Candare fanny packs on your website. Those are, might be getting one of those for the whole little family. There you go. There you go. Fanny packs. Oh. I didn't know we had fanny packs, but you know what? Just spreading rumors everywhere. That's a cool. um, no, you know, I think uh, one thing I did when I started launching the comic was I was referring to it as collectible monsters, which uh, 
which some people were kind of like, oh, you're, you're, this is one of those like efforts to make it sound like fancier than it is, you know what I mean, or, or try to try to make it sound like more uh, literary than they are. But the right. cool thing, man, is this stuff is like a whole genre of itself right. that has like tropes and conventions that it totally started with like this little game. Um, but I, I think there's like there's such a cool world, like these little rules for them, because it's so easy. Kind of like what you guys were saying with the, the goofy names earlier. That like, not that they weren't great names. I shouldn't just call them goofy names. Um, <laughs> oh, they're goofy. But like, but there's a convention there. Like, as soon as you start calling it that, I immediately know what you're talking about, and like, it, it just totally triggers, you know, the memory for, uh, of this whole world that exists. And it's pretty awesome that like, if you go back, you know, they remastered them all. If you go back and look at those, like. There's not a whole lot going on in them. Like they didn't try very hard with like the translations for uh, the plot and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like you know, I remember it at some point I was being like, you know, what were they about? Because I didn't know all this stuff that like, uh, like Mewtwo was a clone of Mew, and that the the one guy was living down on the island because he was hiding in exile because he was a failed scientist. Like all this like crazy heavy backstory I didn't know about. Um, and then I played the remastered ones. I was like, oh, that's because none of that's in here. And you can barely understand what they're talking about because the translations are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but nonetheless, it, it, you still played them, though. They were still great games. Yeah, of course, man. They are still great. And I, I still say they are great. I, I just finished the newest one uh, recently, and I had a good time playing it. I want to play that so bad. I haven't played one since Ruby, though. I, I haven't stayed with the Game Boys. With the new one that's out? Was it know. like Sun and Moon or Sun, something Yeah, like that's that? what it is. Sun yeah. and Moon. Well, yeah. it's hard to justify because at this point, they're not really Game Boys. They're just $200 Pokemon machines, you know? Like it's, <laughs> 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 so it's definitely hard to keep up with them. But that's why I guess maybe that's why Pokemon Go is like just like turned into the new narcotic that it is. Just because it lets you kind of come back in, put half a foot in, but still, in a way, you know what it is too. It kind of cuts out the middleman. So it's like, the best part is running around and rounding them up, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. as much accomplishment as I get from being crown champion of Pewter City, like little middle of nowhere bumpkin town. Like the real fun part is <laughs> running around and picking everything up. So it, Pokemon Go just kind of like boiled it down to the essential elements. I had so much fun with that game. It defined my uh, 2016 Your summer. summer. Yeah. Really, I mean, it just any spare time I had, I was out on my bike, out at the park, or just it was I so much fun. I can't believe how many people were out there. I live in Los Angeles, you know, a pretty pretty big town, but even there's a little suburbs and whatnot, and it was like it, it, everywhere, all kinds of people, and a surprising amount of like parents and like just everybody. My sister downloaded it. She's a she's a third grade teacher. My sister. Little on now, but it's awesome, man. You still there? You cut out just a second. Yeah, my office phone started ringing, so I muted it because I have better things to do than answer that phone. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking OG first two generations. No, it's funny uh, you say that because when I was playing it, I had discovered a new park here in Columbus. It's not a new park. It's been around forever, but it's new to me. Mm -hmm. uh, High Banks. Yeah, sure. That place is freaking amazing. It's, it's, I always describe it as prehistoric almost. It's like going in Jurassic <laughs> Park, this place, but I thought it was just a regular park. Like a lot of the parks in Ohio, most of it, it's like, Oh look, there's a park and it's a big grass field with yeah. some trees. Well, that's what I thought it was. That's yeah. why I didn't go for so long, but no, it is amazing. And I am just waiting to go back. But what was awesome about it was when the game launched and you'd be out on the trails, there were so many people but it wasn't just like kids and teenagers and stuff like there were i saw people like dudes in scrubs out there i saw like, <laughs> mechanics there were dudes in like dress pants and ties out there like older than me it's like kyle said at the chase building there's guys in suits and ties standing outside the building yeah. walking around holding their phones up i was in uh, i was in cancun for a bachelor party the weekend it came out and I was stuck. There was this guy in front of me. At, at, it was like one in the morning. You know, this. Oh man, one in the morning. And lying behind this guy, and he wasn't moving. 
And I was like, excuse me. And I realized he was playing poker. He's trying to catch something at the bar. He wasn't even ordering a drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Our library over here is a gym. So uh, sometimes in the evening after they're closed, I'll go and park in the drive through there and fight and stuff. <laughs> pisses me off. There won't be anyone for miles. As soon as you get into a battle, someone's behind you wanting to drop oh, yeah. the book no, off. Like, Come on. <laughs> Over the holidays, my mom was making fun of me because she she said something about Pokemon. And I, she's like, are you playing that game? I'm like, oh, yeah, I was playing it. She's like, are you serious? Yeah. And then Misty was <laughs> chiming in. Yeah, you drive around the neighborhood trying to pick up the stuff. And she's like, are you supposed to walk? I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, there were stops on the way home. Same that I thing would stop. happened to me. Brooke and my mom ganged up on me. <laughs> and then my mom's on me about playing it while I drive. I don't play it while I drive. Mm-hmm. Did, Did you show them what it, it is, couldn't? though? No, they don't like, care. Like once I turned <laughs> once I turned the camera on, I was like, "But mom, look, that thing's in the living room." She was like, "Holy <laughs> crap, the future is now." I did the same thing. I was like, "Well, watch this. Look, there's a spear right on my stepdad's chair. See?" And they t- took see, a picture, she, and they're like, "Well, what?" They do Snapchat, yeah. and that already lays uh, stuff over uh, reality. So, so they're kind of desensitized yeah. to that concept. But for me, it was the first time. Of seeing that, I was like, "Wow, there's something there," but there isn't. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, I feel like too, everybody for the longest time has been talking about VR. When are we going to put glasses over our face and yeah. all that stuff? But I, I think AR is a hundred times more interesting. It is like fi- finding ways to augment. Like it's like you said, like you finding that park. That's the dream because it doesn't detract from our experiences with reality. All it does is enhance what's already an awesome world if you look at yeah. it the right way. Absolutely. Cool cartoon monsters. Like, as, as soon as that's on Google. <laughs> As soon as that's on Google Glass, I'm going to be hiking every day. When my phone's out of my hand and I'm looking around and I'm seeing them and everything, come on. It's going to be a great world, you guys. I'm I'm going to uh, admit something here. Now, this I'm not proud of this, but this is how caught up I was in the game, okay? When I found this park, (laughs) it was on a week off I had from work. And I think on a Tuesday, I was like, I'm going to go down there. Well, this park at the time... Was, was a Charmander nest. You couldn't find mm. these little bastards anywhere <laughs> except for at this park. And you of know course. how many you've got to catch in order to evolve them to get something you want. So I would go out there. I shit you not. I walked back and forth this trail for, I bet you, close to nine hours one day. <laughs> I got home the next day. Oh I, could, I couldn't walk. Like, it was nuts. <laughs> I took a lunch with me out there, and it was... I can't believe I said that shit on the radio. <laughs> wow. Laid up on the couch the next day asking I mean, it, for help. I was, yeah. <laughs> but to tie it all together, even to, to be a little self-indulgent here, like, that experience you had, to me, this was like that whole magic with whenever I still... I'm a proud 26-year-old man. I still love Pokemon. And this is like one of the things because, you know, everybody knows what Pokemon is. It's kind of like superheroes now. Like now, freaking, I mean, to test people if they're a real nerd or not, I used to see if they knew who Gwen Stacy was. Now everybody even knows who Gwen Stacy is, you know what I mean? (laughs) Because these movies are so popular and everything. Yeah. Um, But people think they they know Pokemon. You know, they don't know it like I do. It's not like that. It's just that it's (laughs) like that experience, like this idea of you set out, like you realize that these people who are trainers like they would be considered crazy people here like there are people who are willing to go in the woods because they don't come towards people because we scare enough of them off for for whatever reason that's why you have to go outside the towns like they live off the land they go on these expeditions these things would be unbelievably dangerous like like waiting in in knee-deep water trying to find a gyarados could you imagine you to get up at like 4 30 <laughs> in the morning before you know the sun's just starting to rise and you're looking for a, a fucking leviathan and fortunately you have your fairly strong bird with you like yeah. it's like that experience you said right there is that that's one of the things i know we'll talk about it a little more later but that that's like some of that stuff 
I, I tried to dive into with the comic because that's what when I was a kid that's what always captivated me about Pokemon I grew up on 30 acres in Pennsylvania um, and I was wow. like man our house would be the greatest like I would just be <laughs> turning over rocks for days trying to find Weedles and stuff like that oh well you'd find a bunch of them around here that's oh, for God, yeah. sure it's, yep. it's funny though <laughs> You uh, you bringing out that element, just how it enhances uh, real life. You know, I've never been one for RPGs. I don't gravitate toward them. Most of the time, I kind of stay away from them. They bore me. But this sure. game, always I always gravitated toward. Just I mean, not so much just because you're catching little animal, cool animals, you know. But you're you're leaving home. Mm-hmm. You're setting out on foot on an adventure. And this kind of cuts back to what we've talked about before. I think we were talking 80s movies that inspired Stranger Things mm, yeah. and how growing up we always uh, especially a kid of the 80s long for that uh, you know everyone gets on their bikes and sets out for an adventure kind of thing up at dawn and get home by dusk exactly yep. and yep. this game has really put you in the game you know I, I really got on my bike and left home I, I, I rode miles away to where these stops were and there was other people doing the same thing I was and just the backpacking everything yeah yeah exactly you go on your own journeys it's it's fun it's a lot of fun can't wait to do it again yeah it's a sense of adventure you want out of life you know life's finally what you imagined it yeah, and I feel kind of like a, uh, I guess, a poser, I guess, to the Pokemon uh, <laughs> genre because I don't know much about them, and I, I like the show. I, f- I found to be god awful, but um, uh, the games have been pretty damn solid. I think I stuck pretty much more with the show than the game, just because the old style RPG doesn't. It's hard for me to stay in it because I don't know where I'm going to go next. I'm tired of all of a sudden hitting a, a spawn where you got to fight. That could be, especially in the caves in those damn games. Like yeah. when you're in a cave, every like, two I just steps, want to run away and keep going. Something. But uh, yeah, the the cartoon would be good if you got rid of the stupid Team Rockets. Yeah, it's like every episode is like chemistry. Like just like the second they hook your interest. Like, okay, they're about to fight these two things. This is about to get real. Let's watch this. Prepare for trouble. Like oh, make it double yet. <laughs> <laughs> fast forward, fast forward, and then they never end up fighting because they had to stop and fight stupid Team Rocket. Like, and then Team Rocket gets dude. You got to check out, out of the you, way. Have you heard of uh, Pokemon Generations? The show uh, they did. Uh huh. I mean, I've heard oh, of it. I've never seen it. Yeah, though. sure. All right, now, now we're going to some real black belt Pokemon nerd stuff. Now, uh, <laughs> so for last year was the 20th anniversary, which is partially why I picked last year to launch Lonesomes. Um, but they did on YouTube every whatever it was Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, they would put out like a three to five minute like episode with like really modern, really sleek, really cool uh, 2D animation um, that was just like this like little contained narrative. And there's none of the camp, none of all the stuff you were talking about. It's just like cool. Like one of them is like po- like the Pokemon cops raiding a Team Rocket compound. So it's like, you know, they don't use battering rams. They use freaking Machokes or uh, Machamps. Use Mega Punch to burst through the wall. Like, it's awesome. They're only like three minutes long. There's like, I think there's eight. No, no, there's 20 episodes because it's the 20th anniversary. So it's 20 episodes on YouTube. They're all free. They're really great. And I think they, again, they dial into just a mysticism aspect that probably hooked you when you were a kid or like that's probably what captivated you more than you know there being although the joke about there being like clones of nurse uh what is name nurse joy and officer jenny is actually like kind of funny this idea they're like well who should the cops in this world be i don't know we'll just make it the same person everywhere just like to cut out the middle man (laughs) Uh, but those episodes are really cool especially if you like the anime i I recommend those on youtube a lot they're free actually i'll shoot you guys link to them right now while we're talking because i have my favorites bar 
Yeah, I will look into that because I, I wanted to get into it. Like, especially when Go came out, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this show out. I got on there oh, like, yeah. five episodes. <laughs> in, but, um, I don't think so. I got it's introduced rough, from uh, when I was in the army. We were out on doing training, so we were just we were just relaxing for the day. And some guys brought TVs, and they had the first Pokemon movie. And I had nothing to do, so I walked over. I'm like, what the hell are you guys watching? What the hell is Pokemon? Because it was when it first came out and first oh, started getting big. And mm-hmm. I think it was when, I think Mewtwo was in that first one. Now, does that hooked me. Does the movie focus more on the, uh, like, the legend of the animals and stuff like that? Or does it have the same campy Team Rocket crap? I think it has some camp, but it's got more of a, a longer story to it. Yeah, because it has to have, like, more of an intense action going on yeah there's some of that stuff but it gets it gets real more than it gets goofy i don't even mind camp i like campy things it's just how rhythmic each episode was (laughs) i mean you could almost 22 minutes seeing it quote exactly what was going to happen yeah yeah yeah. could you imagine like those cartoon scripts are probably like you know it probably comes out to be 18 minutes with ads which means it's probably like a 20 page script like yeah Six of those pages is the same thing every episode. Like, you can just, like, wake up, write a page a day, and, and be the head writer for Pokemon, the TV show, if you wanted to. And, you know, when they came out, I'm sure they're just pumping these episodes out to promote the toys, yeah. the video games, right. the cards, and all that stuff. Uh, Ryan, maybe you can help me. I'm going to jump way off topic here, but maybe you can <laughs> settle something for me. Did Pokemon originate as, like, those little tiny pocket pets that you took care of daily, like, or the... Uh, or was it the cards? I can't remember what those were called. Pokemon started. Pokemon was a game first before it was anything else. What? Um, and what, then, like a console game or a, what kind of game? No, no, red, red, and blue were the first games. Oh, really? Yeah, they were. Those were the first games in in Japan, and then everything everything became. You know, it's funny over there. We have Marvel, DC. You know, it, and it's it's cheating to even. Just, I should see. So you got to start practicing. We have Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, Boom. Dozens of, and those are just some of them, right? Dozens of companies. Right. Over there, uh, when it comes to manga and stuff like that, it's much more consolidated. There's really only like three. Um, so whenever they roll out a property, they kind of put everything behind it. So I think they knew this was going to be the next big thing. So they, they got everything behind it they could. Like I know I've read, because partially doing Lonesomes, because Lonesomes, I really wanted to be this like genre probes this is into what I call collectible monsters. Um, so I did a bunch of, I read like the first 20 volumes of, of the, of the anime or the manga series, the comic series, which I realized all came after the game, which was them trying to like expand upon the stuff they, they'd started there. But all of it started just in, in the, in these two video games, which are technically one video game if we're being honest about it. I did not know that. I, know I always that thought they were like the little tiny like keychain. You remember what I'm talking about? Like yeah, Neopets. Yeah, yeah, Neo like, Neo yeah, yeah. You had to feed them and clean up their shit yeah and, and they yeah. would yeah, die and, and everything yeah it's like so what if it dies you just hit reset yeah Who cares, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but uh wow very cool it it's also it's one guy drew you can uh, shame on me although not that i'd be able to pronounce his name even if i found it again uh he just drew like dozens of these things like really cool like abstract watercolor art and then they they slowly started it's it almost reminds me of like uh Pokemon's almost like the the like anime version of Star Wars. You know, it turned into this like huge thing that was kind of like one guy's vision. And so every once in a while, they like go th- back through his vaults and find all these characters he never used, and they've rolled out in the newer games and seen what they were supposed to look like, and then what they turned into and stuff like that. Right. It's it's funny to think about uh, if 
we've talked about this too if they really did exist like how uh environmental protection people would be all over you wouldn't be able to catch yeah them you, there's from, no way you'd be able to catch <laughs> you wouldn't be able to fight on none of that stuff but um but sarah mclaughlin will be on the commercial there's only 15 pikachus left in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's rushing for the remote oh i can't watch a sad pokemon <laughs> commercial <laughs> but the thing they never get in the games like one of my favorite things was um, especially what I used to love about the games, especially was that, you know, one thing that we're really spoiled by or one, one way the, the culture's really changed is that like, we have so much information now, like back when I was, so I, I was like, you know, in second grade when the first game came out. So I was like target, target audience. I was a little like seven year old nerd. I was like their dream come true. Um, and I was like so captivated by it. But back then it, this is like my, my, my big old man talking point back when I was a kid, you know, you learn so much information through talking to each other that like his cousin knew someone that's like, yeah, man, do you know that like Mewtwo's a clone of like this other one called Mew? And you're like, what are you talking about? How did he find that out? Um, and you exchange information in all this ways. One of my friends had, I don't know if it was from like Japan. Cause like everybody knew some kid that had a cousin in Japan. Apparently that got them hookups. Um, that was like the big elementary school rumor. Uh, but one kid had a poster that was like a, uh, like a, like a cop lineup take pictures with, uh, like the, the big measuring thing next to it. So you could see how big they would actually be. And because in a game they all just pop up and all these little like you know eight bit little squares of people. It's executor. Right. It's Weedle. It's but like um, some of them were like 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 uh, from the second generation. The thing that Chikorita evolves into its final form is like the size of a brontosaurus. So like wow. or even yeah like there's like little things like I remember trying to talk to people like well you know we would never be able to go catch him. I was like yeah but Tauros who's like Tauros is kind of like a shitty Pokemon. He's just like a bull thing. <laughs> it's a fucking bull thing and you have to get close enough to be able to throw a ball at it like one i used to always be really mad because when i got into pokemon was when i was playing baseball i was like i suck at baseball and one night i was like shit that means i wouldn't my aim was so bad i was like that means i wouldn't be able to hit them with any pokeballs that'd be awful (laughs) next thing you know for me baseball game comes full circle all of a sudden (laughs) i'd be catching what i didn't want to get if there was one sitting next to the one i wanted because i can't throw straight it'd go right next to the other one Um, but like trying like to sneak up on these things or like like you have to go into haunted mansions where like you definitively know something died to try to find a Gengar and like Gengar's so cool I'm not gonna not go in the mansion but like they're ghosts like they're dead you can do nothing against them if your Pokemon are knocked out because that's the other thing too it's like they always it's like well your six Pokemon are gone and you're defenseless crossfade two and now you're back at the Pokemon Center everything's safe it's like but. But I was just fighting a giant dragon thing. How did, how did I get away? Because I was maybe I was like too, I was too self aware as a kid. I was like, no, 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 I'd be fucked. I'd be I'd be pit roasted by now. Yeah, wouldn't that uh, thing you're fighting after your animals are all put out like come after you next? You think? Yeah, yeah. That's, especially like you know like, like I was really big into Boy Scouts too, um, which is why again like nature for me always kind of made I think it contextualized Pokemon more for me because like one of the first things they taught us that I went to this thousand acre Boy Scout camps like just just huge untamed wilderness and especially now that I'm an adult it's like. You know, those guys have no idea what animals live out there. Like, the camp only takes up, like, two acres. So, like, nobody's even been to the back, like, 400 acres. You know, wow. there could be a pack of wolves and they'd have no clue. So, remember, one of our first le- uh, lessons is they're, like, you have to learn what each kind of poop is because animals be very different looking poop behind because if you see what looks like a long brown cheetah, uh, uh, what's it called? Cheese it 
or uh, what are they called? Does cheddar like the little corkscrews? That means there's a mountain lion around, and you need to run away. Like they taught us that oh, for like self preservation. But I remember the feeling of being in the middle of the woods when I was like 15, with like you know four of my friends, summer camp, joking around, and you turn around, you come around a corner, and you see this fucking you know animal of prey that's 10 times faster than i'll ever be in way better shape than i am and it almost exclusively built to kill things and i'm you know 140 pounds soaking wet it's like so humbling and you're like oh my god like and then this is just and that's a normal line like imagine a Growlithe, that's a lion that shoots fire out of its mouth. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like, like taking a dive and sneaking up on it. And, like, even, like, don't get me wrong, I love Squirtle. I think he's just such, like, a great design and really simple. And, like, like the, the sort of everything that's great about Pokemon and one little character design. But it's like, all right, two-foot water turtle, let's sneak up on Flamethrower Wolf and see how we do. Let's just we'll take, we'll take a stab at it. What could happen? Um, so, yeah, what could, you know, well, worst case scenario, you get knocked unconscious and I'll wake up and I'll be safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I just want to go play um, now yeah. as we're sitting here talking about it. I want to go play Go. See, come on. It's real. They're, they're never, they never don't get fun. You know, the new ones are pretty wild too because they're really trying to reinvent the wheel quite a bit, um, change some things up and, and kind of expand the narrative. But it's, isn't it strange? Like, why is that so, in, in, like, enduring? Like, that franchise, like, it's still so relevant. Like, it just taps into something about people. It might be that adventure thing that you were saying. Yeah, it's one of those things that'll be around forever, like Disney or Marvel. Or, yeah, you know, it'll have to be. Right. Yeah, and it'll just keep evolving and getting cooler. But uh, <laughs> we'll, there'll be people like us who still gather to talk about those OG uh, first couple uh, waves of animals. They're just so out there now. I can't even, I haven't even tried to look at them, but just some of the ones I've seen are like, Whoa! Too much, too mm-hmm. much. You know, I'm gonna go back to my uh, first generation. It, there's a sweet spot for sure, but I like uh, like some of the new ones. There's a every game has a couple in them that are what would basically be an animate object. Like there's one that's like a set of keys, and there's one that's a sword that's alive. And I was like, a sword that's alive, that's dumb. Um, but then I found out it's because a lot of the ones that you probably think are weird. Um, come from some sort of Japanese folklore, usually. Like the uh, the inanimate object ones, which I didn't like them. Then I found out that in Japanese folklore, there's these things called sukiyomis, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong because it's like one of those TSU words. Um, but it, they used to have this folklore that if an inanimate object could survive without being destroyed or lost or whatever for 100 years, it would then gain sentience and get to come to life. So like in the new game, there's this one that's like a rusted, forgotten anchor. So this thing sat on the bottom of the ocean for long enough that it's like, well, those things aren't like weird monsters in the world. They're just fucking Pokemon. And they get to wake up. And I was like, all right, I can I can get on board with that, I guess. Wow. That is out there. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like <laughs> Titanic will come raise up with the Pokemon all the time. I'll be down yeah. here a while. We're animal now. Well, it, it's also like that kind of like shameful. Like, no matter how old I get, it's like, I think that's dumb. But yeah, but did you know it's a Pokemon? Oh, I think that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so well, who's I, the worst Pokemon? The worst? Yeah. Oh. Uh, come on, Jinx. Gotta be Jinx. Mr. Jinx Mime? Is... Uh, I can. I find Mr. Mime sort of endearing because I thought his cartoon version was kind of funny. Wasn't there um, just like a bumbling one like all the time on the on that show? Uh, wasn't like a duck or Psyduck? Psyduck. <laughs> Psyduck's great. He's like this great little design. Like he's. I was about to say he's smooth. Not that that really means anything, but like to me, they're just they're just like great little whimsical things. I don't like whenever they're like weird. Uh, I really don't like. Uh, there's one that's an ice cream cone. 
cone now. That's a newer one. That's an ice cream cone. What? I don't get. I was like, look, you'll get me with the hundred years folklore thing. Yeah. Don't tell me that's a hundred year old ice cream cone. Unless <laughs> it's like like an Eskimo child lost his ice cream cone. There's no way that thing was out there for a hundred years. Just don't even do this to me. You know what's really cool now is uh, the new ones. What they're doing is every game is modeled after a different country. So that's really? how they're like they're like rounding out the world. Like I think X and Y were France, and then the new one is uh, Hawaii. But yeah, now they're just like basically re repicturing the globe. So God knows what they'll make America look like whenever they get to us again. I've got to get in on these games. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's right. It's just like it's all it's all about the lore, man. The mythos. Whenever you can just dive into something, it's just the best. Jumping back really quick to uh, sure. we were talking about Pokemon that uh, we didn't like. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, one in particular that comes to mind, you guys will have to help me with the name. It had boxing gloves on it and wore like a little, like. Oh, uh, Hitmonchan. Okay, yes. Now, where is this thing finding this shit in the wild? Where is it getting a tutu? Where is it getting these boxing gloves? That kind of bugged me. And I think, I feel like there were other Those ones. Those are like just that its too. hands. Its hands are gloves. See that, that what that's that even mean? worse. <laughs> that's even I'm not buying it. I doesn't those <laughs> oh, no, I don't know now, Ryan. <laughs> like, baboon's butts are red, so this guy's hands can be red. Oh well. See? Okay, oh, now man. you're getting closer. Uh, so, someone's a secret fan. <laughs> uh, man, what else am I like? Oh I nice. I like most of them. You know what's like sad though is that like I only like the ones that were weak or useless. Like that's like my mean Pokemon villain thing to say. Kakuna's always. Yeah, I, I like Kakuna enough. He's got like a cool little samurai. Like because even they're bugs and they're still like kind of interesting. I think Beedrill is kind of a cop out. Just a big fat bee. Yeah. There's yeah. no. What's that other element to it that like like Lapras is a weird sea dragon thing. That's just a big B. Like, I used to see those in my backyard, and I fucking hated them in real life. Same could be said about uh, Pidgey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like Pidgey okay, because I feel like it, 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 like there's a new one that's, that's called Pie Dove. That's just a dove. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't, you didn't, you didn't, you just took the bird and you put cartoon eyes on it. You're supposed to put it through that Pokemon machine that gives it some weird features that make it look different and interesting. Magmar is kind of weird. Magmar has, like, big duck lips. Yeah, he does. Magmar kind of creep, always kind of creep me out. Oh, I want to play now. Geodude was a weird one for me. Geodude, you know what's really? I like yeah. Onyx was he was cool. Yeah. He was probably one of Onyx my favorites. Was cool. I always like if I could have one, it would either be him or a Charizard. Wheezing and coughing always kind of gave me the creeps. So what? What the hell they even were? Just to... yeah. And why? <laughs> why would you want to be around them if you had them? They're just breathing <laughs> in that shit. You know, that's why I feel like they're likable. They're like the Island of Misfit Toys Pokemon. Like, them and Grimer just, like, you know, playing uh, harmonicas under the bridge, being like, you know, listening to sad Red Hot Chili Pepper songs and just being like, damn. <laughs> you know what's weird is growing up, I was playing a new game, uh, and I used to, like, love Scyther. Like, Scyther was so cool. And I looked at Scyther recently, I was like, man, that's kind of stupid. Like, sword hands? I don't know about sword hands. That's yeah. one of those things, like, I just... It, it, Again, I love picturing them in real life. It's like, what the fuck am I going to do with my Scyther? Like, well, how do, what, what, go ahead. That is pretty much just a Primanus. I mean, yeah. they, you know, the Primanus's like arms or claws or whatever they're called when they open, you know, I mean, just right. turn those to knives and there's your Scyther. I mean, that's, that was it. <laughs> I still think those ones are cool. Maybe, oh, just awesome. cause, maybe yeah. it's because it is a praying mantis that he's one of my favorites. That could be, yeah. yeah. They're awesome. You know, I don't think I realized he was a praying mantis until right now. Really? <laughs> I, I, I was like, why the fuck is he a bug type? He's got like a weird like 
dragon anime face. Like he's like he's like anthropo. Like, he looks humanoid. Oh, he's a prey mantis. See that? There we go. That's like a great Maybe question. Wrong, of just hey. scratched off. No, no. I want you to be right. Don't take it back now. <laughs> <laughs> you just helped me reconcile what I thought was done. I got another question too. What's that? What's what up? do Pokemon say? What their name is, or are they named after what they say? Ooh, that's like ooh, one of those ooh, if a tree falls in the woods and no yeah. one's around, <laughs> make a noise. I saw that question a while ago, and I was just still thinking about it. That's a great one. I mean, I guess... I would have to... Please, please say they're named after what they say, because if they just by inherently yeah, know to s- say what they are... I will call you Squirtle. Squirtle, Squirtle! <laughs> that, before that, what did he say? <laughs> yeah, Pokemon are you wildly impressionable. Yeah. They used to roar and growl, but until yeah. you say their name, then... No, it must be, because if you nickname it, it still says Squirtle. Like, if I name him Dipshit, he's not going to go, Dipshit, Dipshit! Like, <laughs> oh, like, wouldn't still that be he's... great? <laughs> <laughs> he still knows. All right, I can work through that. For a second there, I had one of those, like, brain explosions. Like, oh, my God, what are they named after? No, no, I'm going to call I'm gonna call shenanigans on that. So, if we had a, a, our, our canned air-made Pokemon, Calcium Claws and Dread Burp, <laughs> that's what they would say if they were... <laughs> Dreadburp, <laughs> I like that you guys immediately went, like, whenever it's something with, like, a nefarious-sounding name, it always does a very baritone voice. Yeah, <laughs> Dreadburp. Yeah, that's always mean. Let's hear calcium well, claws. How would that go? I don't, so I'm thinking that one's going to be something high. Yeah, it's going to be calcium claws. Uh, yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should do. We should get we should get uh, listeners to draw up dread burp and calcium claws. Hey, there us. we go. We'll send you hey, some free shit if you, you do. I got a uh, I got an artist designing um, sketch variants for the Kickstarter, so I'll, I'll get him to doodle you guys a little calcium claws. Oh, oh, sweet. oh that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, he's, uh, he's he's one of my students in my graphic novel class. He's so stinking talented. Um, but I, I, as soon as I said that, I was like, oh, calcium claws is so cool. And then I said, you know, he's immediately going to want to draw dread burp. Like, dread burp is just going to be some weird frog that burps out nasty bubble things. Dread burp. Oh, dread burp. man, I am excited. Don't worry. Yeah. Team Lonsons is on it, guys. Either, either one of them would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's got to be like, you remember in the opening, it was always uh, Gengar fighting, what was it, Nidorino for some reason, which is like a really weird mashup. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll try to go for that little action. The the, the, the Clash of the Titans, Dread Burp, and Calcium. Oh, Claws. my God. <laughs> I will send you free books if you do that. Come on. That would Are be you guys awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, I'm seeing, I'm seeing him on uh, Wednesday, so I will keep you posted. Oh, nice. This is going to be awesome. See, Jake should have been here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is really just about making Jake eat shit. Sorry, Jake. That's <laughs> what you get for having a migraine, buddy. Oh, Sorry. yeah. Better things to do than talk to me about my comic book, Jake. I see how it is. <laughs> uh, ordering, I'm canceling my order for those fanny packs now. Oh, man. Uh, please don't. Tell her you love her with a fanny pack. <laughs> right. You guys are coming back around. I, I've I was, seen people wearing them. They're calling them bro oh, bags now, I think. Bro like bags? Yeah. It? I, that's, that's what the, one of the DJs on the local radio station calls it a bro bag. That's <laughs> all I can think of it is. Of course, a DJ calls it that. That's yeah. <laughs> no, man, it's a bro bag. It's a bra yeah. bag, bro. <laughs> all right. Well, that's, that that's another Pokemon. <laughs> a bra bag? <laughs> bro bag. Well, the bro girl bro bag. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun, man. I didn't think we'd uh, be able to get so much Pokemon mm, talk, but boy, we did it. That was fun. Well, I tried to taper it to the conversation, guys. That as soon as I sat down today, I kind of had a long day at work. You're like, let's talk. Let's just talk about what we like about Pokemon. I was like, oh man, this is the best <laughs> day of my life. Like, how did you know? 
Uh, I tried to behave myself, though. People like to come home from work and have a beer. Some people like to come home from work and get on Candea. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's about the same a, thing. I'd like a tall, cold glass of Candea, please. There we go. Well, we're serving it up right here. <laughs> <laughs> There's your sound bite. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get moving right along here. But before we go into the comic vault, let's uh, announce this little contest we have here. And this is an easy contest. In the past, we we had the Show Us Your Cans contest where you had to cut a label out. Well, first you had to print a label, cut out a label, wrap it around the can, take Ruling pictures of work. it. Ruling work. Grueling. Yeah, that I is mean, not what I thought. The things, <laughs> the things we ask our listeners to do, right? The nerve of us. <laughs> so we we had a good, uh, I wouldn't say great, but we had a good uh, response from that, but mm-hmm. not as good as I'd like to have seen. So this contest here, we're making it easy for you, people. I mean, so very easy, and we're not going to be announcing this on. Twitter. You can only know about this contest if you're listening to the show about the halfway point, it looks like. <laughs> so, our friend Kat Roca over at ZeroOnePublishing.com sent us over a bunch of codes for digital downloads to a bunch of books in their catalog. And so we're going to be uh, giving those away in this contest. And all you have to do is either email us or tweet us saying, Hey, I want whatever the title is we give you here. The first person to do that gets it. Easy enough, right? So this week we're giving away a book, or a graphic novel rather, called Titanium Rain. And let me read you the description really quick. In the year 2031, mankind's survival survival instinct is put to the test when a civil war in China spirals into global conflict. Nations are destroyed. Millions are killed. And for many, like U.S. Air Force pilot Alec Killian, survival will mean shredding some of his humanity in exchange for biotech and machine. That just sounds awesome right there. Yes. And the book itself is gorgeous. We were taking a God, look at yeah, the preview, it and it's, like, realistic looking. It's it's crazy. It's, yeah, realistic painting almost. Yeah, I, I kind of don't want to give it away. Maybe I'll just tweet really quick and take it for myself. <laughs> but, so there you have it. Titanium Rain, the first graphic novel we're going to be giving away. So, again, all you have to do is either send us an email at candairpodcast at gmail.com, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't email myself very often. (laughs) And say, I want Titanium Rain. Or you could even hit us up on Twitter, either DM us or just send a tweet out saying, I want Titanium Rain. And the first person who does it, it is yours. So let the games begin, right? All right. Nothing yet. Nothing. (laughs) Oh, I'm watching the phone. Oh, wait. (laughs) We have to post it first. Okay. So let's swing open the door to the comic vault here talk about some comics i went first last week so I'll go first this week i think jack's gonna go first this week jack take it away so i got a book called binary gray that i've had for probably we've been doing the show for three years mm-hmm. over three years i've had it for about <laughs> two and a half and i finally <laughs> dug it out of the box i've been meaning to read it for a long time but it's about a guy named alex gray he's just a normal it guy at a company his cubicle's right next to the coffee machine, which he hates because people are always walking by. Hey, uh, Alex, can you fix this? Can you fix this? My computer's not working. <laughs> uh, one day he goes into the server room to fix something, reaches his hand back behind, grabs a cable, shocks shit out of him. Ooh. Wakes up in the hospital, and while he's alone in the hospital, he starts hearing like something keeps saying, Hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. Your blood pressure is 170 over 20 or whatever, whatever a good blood pressure is supposed to be. <laughs> he starts freaking out, gets on clothes, changes, leaves, goes home, gets home and goes to sleep for a little while, wakes up 
And like all the electronics he's starting to notice are talking to him. If he touches him, he can communicate through the electronics and they can communicate through him. Oh, really? And he finally decides, well, I got this cool new superpower. My dad died, got was murdered a while back, and he would like to try to figure out if he could find out who his kill, dad's killer was. There's a local superhero group around called the Society, I think, that he's trying to get in contact with, or maybe he'd be able to work with since he has these new superpowers. But that's about where I left off. Mm, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was pretty neat. You know, it's fun fact, 170 over 120 is considered the most critical stage of blood pressure there yeah, is. Yeah, it's like one, 120 over 80, I think, is normal. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I wonder what 170 over 120 is. And Google just says, this is the most critical blood pressure you can have. Get to a hospital. That's funny. <laughs> yes. There's one part in the book that after he's back at work, everyone's like, oh, are you doing, how are you doing? You're all right and stuff. And the dipshit in the cubicle next to him was like, well, at one point, this hot chick comes up, and she's like, can you look at my laptop? He's like, yeah, I'll take a look at it. And the guy in the next cubicle is like, wow, that was like Stephanie or Barbara or whatever. She, you think you can talk to her now? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, it's good to see you're back. So when you got shocked, did you, uh, did, did you shit yourself? <laughs> and the guy's like, will you shut up? He's like, look, that's a valid question. That sounds awesome. Binary gray. Yeah. That was, uh, what was the, who did that again? Assailant Comics? Assailant Comics, that's right. Yeah. Very cool. That sounds good. I feel like I might have an issue or something of that around somewhere. I'll have to look for it. I think I have a, like a free digital preview or the first issue or something like that somewhere at home, a code. We could probably try hand that one out, too. All right. Cool. We'll find it. Awesome. Binary Gray. All right, Ryan, would you like to go next? Sure. I've been uh, hardcore binging... Uh, the Injustice like spinoff prequel comic, which I, I kind of wrote it off because I, I thought it was kind of one of those cash grab comics. Um, and then somebody told you know Injustice is the the DC you know Street Fighter styled fighting game, right? Right. Um, and, and a friend of mine was like, dude, if you haven't read this Injustice comic, you got to check it out. It's like really he's telling his opinion. I really respect, and I kind of like fluctuate back and forth between like superhero stuff and more indie feeling stuff. So I was like, all right, I haven't read a superhero book in a minute. This series is awesome. It's so cool. It's nice, I think, partially because you know it's huge scale like summer superhero fighting comics stakes, and it's you know all the DC characters you like, but it's in its own universe, so they're really allowed to do just whatever the hell they want. Like in the, uh, they're they're divided up uh, by years. So year one is two volumes, and year two, year two is the entire Green Lantern Corps uh, declares war on Superman. Wow! Like it's yeah, and it's it's ten issues of that. It's like two hundred fifty pages of Superman against the Legion of Green Lanterns. Like it's just awesome. Um, I believe it's by Tom Taylor. I think he did the whole run of it. Um, they finished the first one because they caught up to where. Uh, the game started off. If you don't know, uh, what does that spoil? I don't want to spoil it too much. It, it's just, it's so fun. Uh, the art's really, really clean, really interesting. Um, and if you want kind of superhero stuff that I'm, I'm not one for continuity, man. I just, I think it gets tedious after a while. Um, so it's just, you can sit down, read it. People can get their arms ripped off and thrown into the sun and you can get as big stakes and epic as you want it to. So it's great. Doesn't it start out about Lois Lane, like the main story plot line? Yeah. The main plot line is, uh, the Joker decides to go after Superman. So it's how's, how's the Joker mess with Superman? And then the consequential fallout of that interaction 
sort of sets Superman. See, it's it's hard it's hard to pitch out loud because it's one of these things where the end result is superheroes fighting superheroes, mm-hmm. and that can feel really played out, um, especially with a certain movie that came out last year that I'm not going to mention by name with those two <laughs> characters in it. But it's just the way they do it. it it's you could tell this guy just swung for the fences and for my money he landed hard it's just every 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 issue it just keeps finding ways to get bigger and more interesting i i can't give it the, the a bigger recommendation i've heard people talk highly about that yeah i know yeah, Jeff just got the game because he wanted he liked the storyline he could give a shit about the game right right it's so uh yeah. rare that you get you know the comic was more or less just an accessory to the game the game was the main thing they were pushing and the storyline Right, became the main what was so well, popular the, over the game, right? Well, the game sets up a situation. I guess I can just say it. So, the game sets up that um, it's been around a while. Yeah, if, if, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen time. it, pause now or you missed your chance. Um, basically, Superman gets to call Doomsday's back. Doomsday's tearing through Metropolis. You think you've read this a hundred times. He, you know, immediately goes to DEFCON 1. They start throwing down. Eyes are laser red. You know, Clash of the Titans, leveling buildings. They go up. So Superman this time, though, because he's seen the movies and knows why we're all mad about it. I, I should take it back. He isn't leveling buildings. He immediately just flies upward and pushes Doomsday into space. Um, and then finally finishes him off. And when he pulls back, he realizes, and what we find out is he got hit with a mix of Scarecrow toxin and Joker gas. Uh, so it made him see his worst fear and go off crazier than he normally would. And it's Lois Lane, not Doomsday. He hallucinated the whole thing, and he just oh, beat her to death. Oh, man. God. Um, <laughs> Can't believe so you for- just spoiled that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. That's issue one. They're up to issue, like, 60. That's what I'm saying. They, they, they don't pull any punches with it. Um, so it's obviously that incites him and sets him off uh, on the course. And then the game picked up five years after that happened. So it's five years into what happened to Superman after basically the worst day of his life, which, of course, he becomes a dictator or whatnot. Um, so this game is, is, it's almost like Breaking Bad in a way that it's you're watching Superman. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. And then how does he how does he slowly start to cave as Batman's watching this happen? How, how do you start to prepare the resistance and the countermeasures? Because it's not a resistance right away. Um, so it just, and eventually you get to see, I mean, every DC character you could want to see in a big book uh, gets to show up at some point. It's just, it's epic. I'm just going to need to break down and eventually look into yep. it. Yeah. Maybe the library has that one. That's where I've been getting a lot of my comics lately. Dude, I can't believe how, because I'm from, you know, middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, but now being in LA, I teach a graphic novel class teaching high school kids how to make uh, comics once a week. Their selection is huge. They have yeah. everything. It's, so it's really, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I haven't been to a library since high school. I should probably try one. Did you call yeah, it a library? It. <laughs> library. <laughs> I'd say you hadn't. <laughs> That's what they're called here in Ohio. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Going down to the library. No, they uh, they got a whole uh, wall just full of graphic novels about anything you could think of. I've I've been taking stuff from it almost every week. Hmm. Yeah, you should check it out. Injustice, right? Or was that the second? Yep. Yeah, Injustice yeah. is is the series, and then there's, I think it's ten volumes, so it's like year one, year two, year three. You can figure it out. You're a smart guy. I'm wanting to play the second, the new one that's coming out, but I just, oh, doesn't it look awesome? Yeah, but it's a fighting game, and I'm not big into those. I'll me play it for a while, and then stop. I was always that kid that uh, my friend would show me a trailer, and I was like, "This looks incredible." He's like, "Yeah, now we just move back and forth to punch each other." But what happened to all the like the world spinning through the cosmos? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. read it. Read it. You won't be disappointed. I'm going to. 
All right, so my book this week is one I actually got from the library, uh, Star Wars uh, Showdown on the Smuggler's Moon. Well, another run from Jason Aaron here. Is it's, that the new series? Yes, the uh, the kit, the canon series, if you will. So these are the Marvel, the Marvel Star yeah. Wars books. Yes. Gotcha. Now, um, last time I talked about these books, I think I talked about the Journal of Ben Kenobi, where yes. he is talking about watching Luke from afar and just some of his adventures while in uh, solitude on Tatooine. Well, this kind of picks up uh, the first issue in this graphic novel is one of uh, his journal entries, which is kind of lackluster, but it just leads into Luke, who's reading the book. The book was left for Luke to find. Uh, but cool. you kind of what I love about this book and what I love about Jason Aaron is he really captures Luke because you get that little kind of a whiny whiny bitch Luke in there. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this book doesn't have anything in it I need. Why did he think I could use this? Where am I going to find Jedi information at? So he's just cruising through the stars, thinking that you know, while he's driving, he'll read or flying, he'll read this book, find somewhere he needs to go. That's where he'll set his course. He found no destination, so he decides, I'm just going to go to Narshada, which is a smuggler's moon, mm. which was a bad idea. He thinks, you know, this place is full of crooks, pirates, scoundrels, somebody's going to know something. So he goes, he just lands and he starts walking into one of the first pubs he sees. As soon as he gets in, music stops, everyone sets their drink down, just stares at him at the door. And they immediately start causing trouble with him. He's like, you know, sorry, I didn't. Re- I realize I shouldn't be here now. I'm going to go. They're like, oh, it's too late for that. Well, to fight them off, he pulls out his lightsaber, which attracts all kinds of attention. Wow, that's a Jedi's lightsaber. I want that saber. You know, so everyone's coming after him for it. <laughs> so he rushes outside and uh, he's fighting people off, but then comes across the hut. When I, for the life of me, I can't find this, this hut's name, but uh, the hut knocks him out. Knocks him out cold. Hmm. And he wakes up in uh, hostage. You, you remember General Grievous's bots that had the like the sticks with yeah, the... Yeah. I don't remember what they were called, like Manguards or Managuards or something so like it that. It was something like that, yeah. Um, well, he's got these things. There's one on either side of Luke holding him by the arm as he's kind of like hunched over, half conscious, in front of this hut. And he wakes up to the hut holding a holocron. And as the lights come up, he looks around. He, uh, the hut's explaining, you're in my collection of Jedi artifacts. This is what remains of the Jedi. And he goes, including this holocron, and you're going to open it for me because you're a Jedi. And he's like, you know, I, I, just, I have a lightsaber. I'm just starting to learn. I don't know how to open a holocron. He goes, okay, well, open it or you're going to die. <clears throat> so he says, you have to the count to five. And he starts counting, and Luke's, I can't do it. What am I supposed to do? But somehow, by second five, he opens it, which convinces this hut he's a Jedi. So this hut is uh, known on the smuggler's moon for putting on battles and stuff. People come from miles to, like, see his fights in these coliseums. What he's offering now is for people to come and see the death of the last known Jedi. So he takes Luke to uh, this Coliseum, and there's this uh, guy there. I can't remember, like uh, his right hand man, the Hut's right hand man. I don't remember what his name was. He says, "I need you to train him, you know, for the upcoming battle." He says, like, "Why? Why is? Why are you going to train me? We're training you to die. We want you to put up a fight. We don't want you to get killed right away. So we're just going to train you just enough to hold off for a little while, <laughs> put on a good show." So, uh, throughout the book, uh, Han and Leia are kind of doing there. There's a Han and Leia story that I kind of touched on even before I did the Ben Kenobi book about where uh, 
it was led to believe that Han was married to somebody oh, else. Oh, yeah, remember? yeah. So they kind of shed light onto that. But throughout their adventure, which I'm not going to get into, they find out that Luke's in trouble. So they head to this moon. Well, R2 was with Luke the whole time. And R2's just kind of been trailing along while he's been taken hostage and following him wherever he goes. And while they're welcoming people into the Coliseum to see this big battle, you just see R2 kind of go in with the rest of them and just nonchalantly makes his way to this catacomb where all these Jedi artifacts are and takes on all the lightsabers he can find inside himself. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, like the the battle starts and they bring on this uh, what, Rancor? Ran- yeah. Rancor, Rancor, like I've never seen. It's got big demon horns. Looks fucking Just evil. be a male. <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> Bull Rancor. They brought it into killing. And uh, about this time, Han, Leia, Chewie, they all show up to rescue him, but they don't have any weapons. So R2 splays open, shoots these lightsabers out. So you get a scene with Luke, Han, Leia, and Chewie all armed with lightsabers. Oh, my. Oh, and it on. looks freaking <laughs> awesome. I had to stop and take some pictures of it on my phone. I was like, I'm tweeting the shit out of this. <laughs> but uh, it was just a great book all around. Great book. I strongly recommend it. Anything Jason Aaron lays his uh, pen on is hmm. typically yeah, gold. That, so. that guy that guy was good before, but last like two or three years, man, I, I, he hasn't written anything. Yeah, it's all incredible. Yeah. Every book is just awesome. Uh, so uh, that's between uh, A New Hope and Empire? Is that that's where that falls? Yes, yes. And I just picked up the next one. I don't have it near me here. I don't know what the title is, but I grabbed the next one I have yet to read. So I'm stoked. Star Wars, Showdown on the Smuggler's Moon. Check it the hell out. I've been to Nar Shaddaa in the Old Republic. What? That was a planet you had to go to in was the it? Old Republic, yep. It was it full of uh, Huts villainry everywhere. and oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. scum? All right. Very cool. All right. I think that does it for the comic vault. So with that, let's just turn our full attention over to Ryan and talk about his Kickstarter going for the second issue of Lonesomes. Thanks again for being with us, Ryan. No problem, man. Always happy Always happy to talk about the book. Thanks for having me. This was a great book. We both had fun reading it, I think. Jack? I, yeah, I did, definitely. It was uh, kind of refreshing. I mean, we were talking about uh, Pokemon earlier in the episode, and one thing I said, uh, I didn't like the boxing gloves or the... The things a uh, wild animal shouldn't have on it. You don't have that with the, the lonesome right. we've seen anyway so far. So I'll quit uh, babbling here. Go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about Lonesomes. Sure. So Lonesomes is what I call a collectible monster comic, which is my fancy word for Pokemon, Digimon, Yokai Watch. Uh, just an umbrella term for what I see that as a whole genre. So the collectible monster genre, uh, but through the lens of a Western American independent comic, uh, sort of with an Amblin 80s Stranger Things feel. So it's about a little boy named Tom who's incredibly lonely. Uh, and after, one day after school, when he's in the woods by himself, he finds this mystical Pokemon-esque creature he'll learn is called a lonesome. And they're these magical Pokemon-like creatures that only reveal themselves to lonely people. So if you've never seen one before, it's because you haven't been lonely enough. But on your darkest day, they will find you. Uh, so together, they, he befriends it, and they set out on an adventure to learn more about the world of lonesomes and the emotions that lurk within Tom himself. That's awesome. Those first two issues that we got to read were really cool, too. I mean, getting to see Tom and uh, the first two animals, anyway, that Mm -hmm. are going to be in your universe. So how many uh, lonesomes... Are there? Or do you have a number yet? Like, how how big is this universe going to be? Um, well, part of the part of the game I really want to play with this is that um, I started talking about this during the Pokemon section. Is that 
this to me is it, it's this whole ripe genre uh, full of um, conventions and tropes to explore. So we know they're drawn to lonely people is all we know right now. Um, and as the further Tom gets into this world, I mean, as long as there has been t- people, well, at least more than one person, there has been loneliness. Um, and, I, and I really want to find a way to engage what can be a, a complicated emotion and you pair it with something fun, which what's more fun than Pokemon, uh, to make it ingestible. But for how many there are, let's just say there's all all kinds of loneliness. This is a little, you know, a kid in fifth grade that's lonely after school that found one of these things. What kind of lonesome do you think shows up to a guy that's in solitary confinement in jail? What, what kind oh, of lonesome wow. shows up? So what the shows- type of animal that appears to the person is dependent on the kind of loneliness they're suffering from. Right, I'm sorry, yes. The one you find is drawn to your unique loneliness. Wow, uh, that's cool. Yeah, so I think there, there's there's healthy loneliness. You know, I, I moved 3,000 3, miles away from my family to, to live in Los Angeles and chase my dreams, so that's productive. But like I said, you know, what was it like being a little girl on the Oregon Trail? Do lonesomes age like normal people do? I mean, what, what are these ones that are out there? Um, so this is the whole world that he's diving into. And like I said, I love all the tropes. So what, what does a legendary lonesome look like? What are the are, is there Can there be more of one kind? Can someone else have loneliness like you do? So he's this is the tip of the iceberg, which I feel like is the cheapest thing to say when you're watching a series. But based on the stuff I just said, I think, you know, I'm not making it up. Oh, no, exactly. You know what you're talking about with this genre. That's evident. Sure thing. Um, <laughs> these animals look amazing from what we've seen. So, I mean, the, the books themselves are gorgeous. Yes. But uh, the animals themselves I loved because they, uh, they're they very eye-catching and they're uh, very organic, I guess, looking. Like, again, right. back, back to those dang boxing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm really lucky. Uh, I had really great artists. And, you when I was... I've been doing uh, independent comics for about three years when I was getting ready to do Lonesomes. And I was talking to a friend about it. I was like, this is his idea. It's this thing I really believe in. Um, I, I could I could write a thousand issues of this and not get bored. And he's like, here's the thing. People could totally like it. Pokemon's never going anywhere. This book, sing- you're a great writer. I'm not going to knock you. But this book, Sinks or Swim, if you can have great monsters. And that's what it's all about. That's what, that's what I pick up. That's why I make this comic. Getting that art in it is the best feeling in the world. Um, and I'm really lucky that, that the... the uh, Pencils and inks, the artist is Edgar Messiah, and then the colors, uh, Fariza Kamaputra, uh, which neither of them, they had never worked before together, and they are just, as soon as they sent the art in, I knew it was, it was the dream team. They, they just both got 100% where the content was coming from, totally dialed into what I was looking for, and I think the work speaks for itself. Yeah, and I think this book is going to go back to a little bit what we were talking about earlier. You know, what attracts me to Pokemon was, is like the lore, the lore behind the animals. And what didn't work for me at, with the show was that you were constantly being interrupted. It looks like, and I could be wrong, I mean, mind you, we've only taken a peek at this, but it looks like the central focus is going to be toward the lore rather than just making them fight to the death or anything. Is that oh, right? Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. I mean, trust me, we have a, a big antagonist coming up in issue three. Uh, although the Kickstarter is doing well enough, we might actually end up making issue two bigger. Um, but that's that's to be to be determined so far. Uh, but yeah, I mean, part of the funny thing about it is that the thematic elements of you know the real villain, no matter who I introduce, the real villain is loneliness, um, and, and that that struggle that Tom goes through. And at the same time, it's also his best friend, you know, with these creatures that that, that emerge from it. Right. Um, so it, it, so it's going to be you know forty percent about that emotional journey and exploration. That's also incredibly heavy, and it's some of it is. You know, I have this this uh, stance. You guys mentioned Stranger Things earlier. That at some point along the way, the adventure genre died, 
and the adventure, I'm sorry, the action adventure genre took its place. You know, if any, if Raiders of the Lost Ark came out today, Indy would have found those tablets at the end of the second act. The Nazis would have stolen them and built them into a laser to blow up, you know, <laughs> Brooklyn before he got them back. That's what that movie would be. Mm-hmm. It, it's no longer about these belonging in a museum. What can I find? The legend is real. Let me pursue it. Um, so what I really, one thing I really want this book to be is it's always about the adventure because that, that's what life is, or at least that's what it should be. Um, it's this kid, he finds these things and of course you'd make your life all about them. Um, so he's going to be exploring them. Like I said, the legends that emerge around them, the people, people who have encountered them, what do they know about them? Um, cause I think one thing too is, you know, by the time you get into Pokemon, it's, there's an established world. Like here's the rules and here's where they go and here's what we catch them with and here's where you take care of them. But what if you strip all that away? What if we just know these things are out there? And there's a couple people that, like I said, it's that sharing. It's me and my friends in second grade sharing information again. Well, I heard they're drawn to people like this. Really? Because I heard that there was this jail got destroyed and this guy escaped. And there was, you know, they found a footprint like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. What does that mean? Um, So it's going to be just diving into it and working through it, like you said. But, of course, like I said, loneliness can be a difficult thing and it affects a lot of different people. And that doesn't mean all the lonesomes that find people are going to be necessarily nice creatures or the people they find are going to be nice. So we got plenty of antagonists coming up, too. That is an intriguing element. Yeah. I cannot wait to read further into this. One thing I'm worried about is how cool, like, this, the dog, plant dog monster is, how yeah, cool right. it is, and how much fun you'd probably have with him. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're not lonely anymore, and he either dies or wilts away and disappears, like the whole <laughs> Disney part. I was kind of curious about that. Like, what happens when the pet cures the loneliness? Like, well, time to move the on first from my time I've been sitting there soul, crying, yeah. reading a comic book, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting so far loving this character, and then all of a sudden, the loneliness is gone, and so is the poor pet, the monster. Right. Uh, well, you know, I bet if, if we ever uh, if we ever get canceled, if I ever get sick of it, maybe that's how we end it. But like, um, <laughs> this is an ongoing, so it, it, there's plenty plenty to be done. So you don't have to. Don't worry. Put that put that nightmare, that worst case scenario, in the back of your head <laughs> for a rainy day. Sweet. <laughs> oh man, well this is awesome. I I can't wait to see more. That is such an intriguing element. I can't get over that. That just changes the whole dynamic of the book for me. The different types of loneliness. That's yeah, awesome. Thanks. Well, your uh, your Kickstarter, uh, again, going till February 23rd, is doing rather well. So congratulations there. It looks yeah, like you're going to you. be we're, hitting your I'm goal. Really, I'm really fortunate. We've been um, we got Project We Love within the first three days, and we've been featured, I think, for the last two days. Um, but the coolest thing about it, man, is when, when, you know, when I pitch it to people, it's I say to myself, look, I'm aware that this is the nerdiest sounding thing you've ever heard. It's a genre exploration of Pokemon. Um, and then you double down on that, and we're talking about loneliness, so it can be super heavy. Um, issue one, we shipped to 13 different countries. If that's an independent comic that I have no, you know, it's just me in my apartment in Los Angeles um, and two artists who are who both live on different continents. So it's the three of us just breathing life into this thing, um, and, and it, it really, it's just every dark day I have where I want to say F the world, it's like, man, I have 54 strangers standing behind a book that's to help people contextualize loneliness. I mean, it, it doesn't get much cooler than that. That is really cool. That's an amazing project. Yeah, and the cool thing—I don't know if I mentioned this—so uh, our, our illustrator, uh, Edward Masias, he lives in Brazil, and Fariza, the colorist, lives in Indonesia. So, the three, honestly, unless this goes gangbusters, we'll probably never even meet each other, which is just the coolest <laughs> thing. Wow. Um, 
But I think as soon as you see the art, you just know that like we've had three radically different upbringings and you can just we found this shared creative space. You know, we all we all are our neighbors in that that place of imagination. So it's pretty cool seeing one me for me as a writer, seeing them kind of join me in that place and seeing how easy it was. And then two, just seeing how much other people are joining us there as well. It's, it's really a cool feeling. It came together well. It's one of those uh, projects where you can tell, you know, there's good chemistry between yeah, all, all creators here. So very cool, man. Now, what kind of uh, rewards are you offering to people who uh, go to the Kickstarter and donate? Sure. Um, so issue this is to raise uh, printing costs for issue number two, uh, because even though we're in a digital revolution, I think that physical copies are important. Here, here. Yes. Um, I think especially with this comic, you know, the head fake of this comic is if a 10-year-old reads it and likes it and it really means a lot to them, that could be a little tip of the hat that there's a reason loneliness is registering with them. But then the real double head fake is I want to give you hard copy so you can share it with people because that's how you talk about it without ever actually having to talk about it. You just say that you engage, and, and this really this really speaks to you. Um, so this is for issue two. We also have hard copies of issue one available, so you can jump on and join the whole story. Digital copies, just if you're curious. Um, I think the thing I'm most proud of is that um, I have sketch variant covers that will feature an original Lonesome for oh, 35 wow. bucks, which is about as cheap as you can get for, for real original art. Because, um, again, part of this is about the real question, the tagline, uh, whenever I talk to someone about this book. And the one thing I'm always fascinated to hear is, what does your loneliness look like? Is it is it a little caterpillar? Is it a T-Rex? Is it a bison made of lava? Is it made of ice? What does it, it – it's this whole world. It's always fascinating to see what you get back. Um, but the point of this is I want to give it to people to put into their lives and to take into their homes. Um, so that's why I tried to make the sketch variants as cheap as possible so you can have an original lonesome that's never been featured in the book before to bring into your life and into your world as you explore what your loneliness looks like. That is cool. Yeah, man. <clears throat> I'm thinking now that uh, Kandera has uh, made two Pokemons, maybe Kandera needs to design some uh, lonesomes too here. <laughs> Unless those are lonesomes instead of Pokemon. Those are well, we got, we got to keep them Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Come on, Dreadburp. Come on. Come can, on. Pokemon can have Dreadburp. I'm taking Brobag. Brobag's going to be in issue three. Somewhere. You take it. You take it. <laughs> You'll get a credit. <laughs> that would be awesome. Brobag. Brobag. That's what they used to call me in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Brobag. <laughs> no, no. Oh, shit. Well, we got to have someone do it yeah. again here, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool, man. This is awesome. Do you get out to many uh, conventions at all? or uh, Just starting to more this year. I'll be at uh, Long Beach Comic Con out here in L.A. in just a couple weeks. Well, that, well, in Long Beach, but in California the next couple weeks. Um, I'll be bouncing around the uh, smaller independent shows all through the year. Um, for hard copies, you can get them on Kickstarter, and then you can also follow me on Twitter at Mr. Ryan Comics. Um, that's probably the best place to find me because I'm always making stuff. I'm pumping stuff out, and I really I make the book as fast as people back it. Um, the other thing I should mention is that I, all of my comics are 100% finished before I start my Kickstarters. Oh, um, hey, look I, at that. Yeah, I don't want people. I, look, I know it, it happens all the time, and for plenty of respectable reasons. But there's just too much great stuff coming out right now for me to ask you to pay me, and then for me to send it to you in six months. Within six months from now, you could easily find ten comics that change your life. The way that people are working, Jason Aaron alone will make ten comics that change your life in the next six months. Oh yeah. Um, so they're all done. They're ready to go to printer, um, which is one thing you kind of get whenever you back one of my books. Um, and then I'm really proud to say because we're so close. I've already written issue three. 
Uh, and art begins as soon as we get the, just the threshold for uh, completing issue one, which I think we're at 80, or I'm sorry, issue two. So I think we're at 86% on Kickstarter. Um, so it, it, it's a series that will have life, that it keeps going. Um, you know, I think the worst thing is you can back one of these things and you get your copy in a year and then you get the first eighth of a story that never gets finished. I hate when things don't get finished. I'm so glad Samurai Jack's coming back. Yeah. Oh, we were Honestly. just looking at that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks beautiful. But it oh does. My gosh, help, me, help me put that to bed. I've been, every once in a while I wake up at night, did Jack ever get home? And I Google it. <laughs> what do you mean he didn't? God damn it. <laughs> Finally um, so a yeah, conclusion, so- right? Yes, indeed. So the Lonesome's Machine is alive and running. Uh, there's way to dives into it. And then uh, I have all my comics printed, proudly printed here in America, just a couple hours north of me in Sacramento. So I actually get the hard copies within three weeks of uh, the Kickstarter being finished. So How about wow. that? That's yeah, crazy. man, we'll yeah. put it out there. I try to try to run as, as, as legit of an operation as I can here for, for a schlub living in L.A. <laughs> Sounds pretty <laughs> legit, and that's awesome, man. We uh, This has been a lot of fun. I want to thank you for being on the show, and I wish you the best with your Kickstarter. It looks like you don't need any luck, though. And if you're ever out in Ohio, swing by. You know, maybe we can meet up. We can all go to the library, right? <laughs> we can go to the park and catch some Pokemon. Oh, yeah, even I better. I about this mystical Pokemon park. You know how to speak <laughs> There you go. There you go. Um, thank- yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. This is awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show. Follow us on all our social media. Visit the Hall of Heroes and see the Wall of Justice. Check out some of our videos from our YouTube page. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air. Uh, really quick, Ryan, do you have a Twitter handle? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Mr. Ryan Comics. That's M R R Y A N in the word comics, C O M I C S. Uh, that's where I post all my stuff. I have a couple different books I do, so you can get information about all three of them on there. Uh, you can also find the Kickstarter. Uh, if you just search Kickstarter Lonesomes number two, you'll find the page. And we're going to have uh, links to that on our website. We'll yep. be tweeting links to it as well. So uh, plenty of avenues for our listeners to get over and throw some love your way. Um, what else? What else? Uh, again. Throw some love our way. Go to society6.com slash pod and get some Candair gear. Tell her you love her with a bro bag. No, we, <laughs> we, we don't have bro bags. but we <laughs> Yet. Yet. But yeah, there's plenty of things on there you can buy. Become a part of the Candair Nation. And again, uh, the contest, the Zero One Publishing Contest. All you have to do, the first person to email us or tweet us, I want titanium rain. We will give you the download code so you can enjoy that beautiful comic. So, once again, candairpodcast at gmail.com or at candairpod on Twitter. So, I think that does it. Anything else, Jack? That's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Ryan Little. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe!
Thanks again for being with us, Michael. Or shit, Michael. Sorry, I just saw the name no, Michael no in front problem. of me. Thanks I'll again for being myself. with us, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.